Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are. We're wrapping up series 18. This is episode four, Engaging Executives. Today, we want to share some best practices. In our previous three episodes, we've kind of given you an introduction to the series, talked about providing value, being infrequent, and being prepared. Then uh, week two, episode two, we talked about getting the meeting. We gave you some tips for getting a meeting, uh, maybe getting some commitments on events and attending those events, and then what to do if all else fails. And in episode three, we talked about really briefings, both field briefings and remote briefings with the executives. Uh, with with or without partners and some tips and tricks about how to manage those briefings. And today we're going to talk really a number of tips, best practices for engaging with executives. Um, Brian, any I've had a few questions via LinkedIn. Anything come up that uh, is top of mind before we get started today? No, I mean, this is all where the rubber meets the road. So hopefully the first three episodes have been interesting to you. Uh, reach out with any sort of feedback. And we'll make sure that we touch on it as we get into the next section around evaluation and engagement plans. But uh, yeah, this is all where the rubber meets the road. Perfect. So I had a couple of people reach out and say, look, what if I don't have a big portfolio of products? What if, you know, we, we I guess we do use Microsoft and, and Dell EMC from my perspective quite a bit. You've worked for some really large companies and resellers where you had a portfolio massive, you know, thousands and thousands of products. Mm-hmm. I think the simple answer for me when those people reached out was maybe, unfortunately, you don't need to speak to executives, right? I don't think every rep in the world needs to talk to executives. I do think you need to plan and talk to the money man or woman, the person that's going to write the checks for whatever size deal you're chasing. But, you know, if you're if you're selling, uh, we use printers and printer ink quite a bit for these lower level examples. No offense to those of you out there that might do that, but... You know, if you're selling printer ink, it's probably not very strategic to an executive um, how they buy and do it. They're just telling their people to make sure it's available to their end users and they can print, right? There's, there's yeah. millions of commodities um, and things that don't, don't hit the radar of an executive team in IT at a customer. And I just think it's truth be told, you don't need to talk to the executives. You know, in, in part one, we said... If you don't have anything good to say or anything of value to say, don't ask for the meeting, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I think I brought it up a few episodes ago when I talked about the work I, one of my first big early customers was uh, Match.com. And this was as they were building out all their, you know, they have their own data center. So Match.com, this was kind of pre-AWS days and uh, they had invested millions and millions and millions of dollars in server equipment to build out their own their own data center. And I was selling a memory and I was selling it at good margins and we were laughing about how those days are kind of different and over, but um, it was a significant part of the gross margin that I was responsible for hitting was achieved through match.com. And um, in, in that case was a perfect scenario of kind of like I had a, I was a couple contacts deep and really one contact deep in the account. I didn't have executive relationships and man, I, it kept me up at night concerned that memory is not something that I was going to get an executive meeting about, but it was making me a ton of money and it was a real conundrum. I like, I never solved that challenge. Um, it's, it can be very difficult when you're 
when you're narrow in the count. Well, and I, I would still say there's probably projects that don't get on the executive's radar that are big projects. You know, maybe yeah, you might be selling a million-dollar solution to manage a data center. You know, talk talkmatch.com. There could be some big operational tools that are going in. But those aren't necessarily strategic. You know, they're not going to make the they're not going to make Match. dot com have more people meet each other and get dates. They're just going to keep the equipment going. And so again, a, a CIO might not be interested, or that might not be on his priority list or her priority list um, for the given year. So you still might not get access to have that conversation. So yeah, I think those were where the, the those are where like the nice dinners come into the marketing events. That, you're not going to get a one-on-one necessarily with that executive for a, a discussion about memory. But if you have a, you know, if, if they're generating a lot of gross profit for you, that you need to make sure that you've got a, you can forecast consistently, which we'll get into forecasting here in a few weeks and in a listener's choice, um, getting the, that executive out to events will do nothing but help strengthen that. Because what happens if that, I was so dependent on that one guy, you know, if that relationship turned over, he took a new job, man, we're talking about a 50% cut in my revenue per month. No doubt. So, yeah. No doubt. And I guess that's another point. It might be big to you, but it might not be big to them, right? Mm-hmm. So find that balance. Find out what you would say of value to that person if you had the opportunity. And then uh, only ask for it when you can do that. So I got a couple questions about that. I thought that was interesting. We kicked that off with. I guess the next piece and really the first tip for today was – how, how do I engage with these executives? You know, I, I, I've, I've done everything I can from the bottom up. I've tried every angle through maybe some gatekeepers. There, there really is only two ways, I guess, and that's calling and emailing, right? And we'll, we'll talk about some unique gift ideas here shortly, but I've always used the tip of calling really early and emailing really early. Um, I, I think late in the day is always one that gets lost in, in the shuffle of their inbox. Yes. Um, and I think, I think executives, most that I've ever known and worked with really work early. I'm talking, they get to the office at five, five thirty AM and they work hard. Um, and they get a lot of that to do stuff on their list done before people start showing up and then they lead and guide all day, right? That's their role. So mm-hmm. I'm saying 5 AM call their desk. Um, I'm saying send emails, make sure you're in front of them early, early, early in the day. And then if you do have the chance to, to have a meeting on site with someone, talk to the gatekeeper, the, the receptionist. You know, look, I just, I'm trying to do everything I can. My boss is on me. I need to have some sort of a conversation with an executive. Do they order breakfast for a weekly meeting that maybe I could sponsor for them? Love just that. anything you could do to get your name and your company's name in front of that executive. Um, I've never liked someone thinking that they've done enough to their owed that meeting, but there is a small chance that if you did yeah. some really good of things like this, that it might get them to return a phone call sometime. Um, I don't know that they'd owe me a whole lot, but I might get that phone call back from them. Um, you could, if you don't, if you're not an early riser outlook, uh, most email programs now will send out an email for you delayed. So type a really good email the night before, delay it's sent uh, to go out at 450 in the morning and make sure that it gets in their inbox um, but you got to ask people around there what would help you get those those conversations but you're gonna have to do the work any any tips or tricks from a calling or emailing perspective Brian that's worked for you in the past to get get the attention of an executive yeah I was going to mention the outlook uh, the send later feature that's in the new outlook uh, clients 
which is fantastic. I use that that pretty often. I even use that internally too, because we talk about you know working across matrix organizations and um, like you said, if you send an email past three o'clock, four o'clock on a any day of the week, right? Certainly on a late in the week, that email is probably going to get buried. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly to a busy busy executive. So I use the send later function quite a bit. My time of choice is early six o'clock hour or late five o'clock hour a.m. And um, I find that, that that kind of note gets a good response level. Yeah, I still find it interesting. People might argue this, but I think executives answer the phone still. They yeah. will uh, yeah. if it's early in the morning. I don't think midday unknown caller or whatever else doesn't get picked up. I think robo callers may be killing all of us and our chance to ever get anybody oh on gosh. the phone. It's been an um, out of control week on that for me in particular. It's unbelievable. I think the government's going to do something to help us there, I think. But at the end of the day, um, the phone's still a really good tool. I think calling early is your best bet. What's um, too early, do you think? Well, I think it starts to really look like a, a ploy if you're in that 4 o'clock hour for sure, right? Um, I've had a, I've had customers say, call me, call me before 6, right? And that's the only time we have the chat, okay? Then I'm going to call you before 6. I think I like yours later, later part of 5. Um, early part of the six hour, but I, an email, phone. an yeah. email four forty five five o'clock. That just because I want it to be in the first two or three things yes. they see. I, whether they listen to their email or someone else is listening to a forum, someone's going to hear your voicemail. So leave that voicemail for sure. Um, and ultimately, persistence normally gets you the respect you deserve to get that conversation. Uh, and I do. I think if you if you have something valuable to say and you're saying it, whether it be voicemail, email, early or late, you're going to get the attention of the executive. We all know after we've been in sales, it's all about being at the right time, at the right place. The persistence pays, blah, 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 all these cliches. But if someone's house is flooded, I can assure you they're thinking of flood insurance. Um, they may have never thought of it before, but they're thinking of flood insurance. If... You know, I could use a hundred analogies like that, but if yeah. you're in the right place at the right time, you're going to do really, really well. Yeah, the way I kind of look at that, and this is probably worth its own separate discussion, is I, I think about it like layers on a cake. You um, you catch the executive. Now, this is a more of a cold scenario. the The top layer of that cake is catching an executive with an immediate pain or need. Um, man, you you do enough volume, and you can get to your number through that alone mm-hmm. of just purely catching people right place, right time. Now there's a more nuanced conversation about how do you, how do you create need and, and can you do that over the phone? And if you do it over the phone, it's got to be kind of a gradual process anyhow. But I, I totally agree with that. There are, there are, that is the lowest hanging fruit is the project that's about to kick off or has just kicked off. Yep. So just cause you've piqued my interest is the bottom layer of the cake something big and strategic that the the executives maybe maybe some latent pain that you're able to, un, you're able to uncover even on the phone maybe yeah so let's say i'll give you an example of that so let's say so some people would argue that you're never going to convince a company to replace their general ledger like their fi- their core financial system unless they have decided mentally that they are ready to replace that general ledger system and i would like 9 times out of 10 i would agree with that the one time out of 10, which is effectively the bottom layer of the cake, is they they see a, B, a BI problem. Like, we don't have the right 
we don't understand why we're selling what we're selling, when we're selling what we're selling by category and what's the expense per product. They don't they see that as like a data BI business intelligence issue. But really it's 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 the problem is many times deeper than that, not always, but many times it's deeper than that. It's it's actually uh, how they're recording their data. And so what could look like a BI problem is really a deeper, much deeper GL problem, general ledger problem, financial right. core financial system problem. So yes, that would be that would be a much more challenging product project and undertaking and sell cycle and everything else. And far more challenging to sell over the phone or to get them interested over the phone. But there are some there are some ways to kind of uh, progress that and test it and it's gonna be a more expensive sell cycle, but yeah, there's some ways to test that. No, I think you're definitely you just define latent pain, right? Something yeah. they're not yeah. even aware of. They have they have some pain. They don't feel the pain and but then through true quality salesmanship and value creation, you're going to help them understand it. And at that point they'll be ready to spend bukus of money to, right. to solve the problem. So let's transition to, to number two, I guess, for this episode, and that's tips for unique gifts. We've, we've talked about a few things throughout this podcast, this, this series. I know we've talked about many of our tips and tricks uh, across past episodes that some may or may not have listened to. So let's kind of run through some unique gift ideas. Brian, you, you mentioned one on this series. Why don't you recast that one, and we'll share a few others. Yeah, this is something we've been using for a long time is uh, – Coolers, especially like the Yeti cooler, um, you know, these executives are oftentimes proud of the university they went to. So uh, having a custom Yeti cooler or Yeti mug or, or something that they can carry to a college football events um, always goes over really well. Uh, these things can be expensive. So, of course, you're trying to measure, you know, what's the what's the opportunity uh, based off something that you're you're going to send out with kind of with your fingers crossed. But that's something we've used in the past. How about you? Yeah, I like that idea. I guess real quick before I move on, is that yeah. does that have your logo on it, or is that just truly a gift? Truly a gift. Yep. Like, there's a number of ways to do it, but we 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 kind of talk about like the. I know quid pro quo is kind of the word of the day today in in, in politics, but but I think this is a scenario to where if you're if you're going to be genuine about your engagement with this executive, you got to be willing to be the chicken and the egg. No doubt. You can't you can't be so dependent on the on the return. Yep. No doubt. And I I've had I've had a request for gifts I've talked about in the past, but I think yeah. some of my good gift ideas um really are executives that I've wanted to engage with that have been pretty standoffish and I, I caught wind that they would do stuff with their spouse. Yeah. And I would honestly I'd make some of these things up. Look, we have I have an an event happening with four executives, they can all bring a spouse. The only people from our company that are going to be there are me and my manager. Would you be interested in going? And they and this has to be a good event. This this mm-hmm. is playoff baseball. This is playoff basketball. Um, an event that comes to Houston every year that still gets a lot of attention is Circus Soleil. They you know they do they do some really big shows. They they literally do pop up tents at the horse track here in town, and they do these immaculate shows in this very small venue. But when they say they're coming to town, you know, if you if you could get two two rows of five and mm-hmm. put two couples in a boss and a two couples in you in those chairs, that's going to be worth that that spin more than likely. Assuming they're real executives, nice dinner before the show, then the show, or vice versa, show then dinner. Um, they bring their spouse. It's it's something they're not going to want to spend the hundred bucks on the tickets. 
And right. it's something that, that's unique. It's something that not everybody gets to go to every day. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot. It's it's some of these events are difficult, right? Because you if it's too loud, then you kind of miss the engagement part. But if it's too quiet, they don't want to spend all that time chatting with you either, right? So Yeah, I think that's kinda of like your pro quo quo. <laughs> yeah. I'm not this is a gift. This truly is uh Okay, just you know, go. Yeah, yeah, just just it's either go, but I, I want to be there with you. Like, if you're not yeah. going to let me be there with you on my money, then that's not really good. Yeah, um, I think I think any college event, especially if it's their college, it's 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 a home run. So um, Oklahoma and UT play in Dallas every year, right? Mm-hmm. If I have a Oklahoma executive, I'm pretty confident that if I want to buy those tickets, they're going to be willing to go to that game. That's probably, again, going to have to be a gift. But you can create some contingencies around those gifts. Like, hey, I just had another executive that I work with regularly cancel on this trip. I'd love to give you a shot to go. Uh, my only ask is that we meet after or before the event, right? I mean, how how can they say no if they're going to take your tickets, right? Yeah. Um, I've used that tactic before, before I bought the tickets, right? Um, oh, yeah. Certainly. Again, just say, hey, I got this guy that canceled. You want the tickets? I'll give them to you. I'd like the chance to meet with you uh, and deliver the tickets. Okay, here you go. That's the golf. That's the same premise as the golf driver or the putter cover, right? It's like... You buy one part of it um, that's cheap or inexpensive, uh, knowing that you can procure the other side of the item. We did have a situation recently where we we kind of like offered it up. We're like, yeah, you pick pick whatever one you want out of this catalog. Well, they happened to pick the one that was like discontinued because oh, it was like a limited selection one. So we had to find it on eBay and just drop a ton of money on it. But uh, yeah, that can happen. But um, hey, look, even it, Brian makes mistakes, everybody. Even Brian <laughs> But you know, well, I, you can you know, turn I, into something I, good, though. Most people listening don't know what a Zoom is, but I've talked about it before. Back when Microsoft was releasing their Zooms, I sent ten Zoom covers to ten executives with a little letter that said, "Hey, I, I've tried to reach out. I, I've asked for time. If you give me thirty minutes, I'll bring a Zoom that fits in this cover." So, in essence, I was buying, you know, ten twenty-dollar covers. Uh, probably spending five to ten dollars on FedEx to to send that letter with that cover in it, and they had a useless cover if they never followed up, and they got a Zoom if they did follow up. They cost me a couple hundred bucks, <clears throat> but that was worth a meeting with an executive, and I, that that campaign was ten for ten in those days. I don't think everybody had a million songs on their phone back in those days either, so those music players were pretty pretty valuable. But I, I would say if you FedEx anything, you're going to catch someone's eye. They're going to see your logo. They're going to have to read your letter. The, the secretary might, the gatekeeper, someone will have to. Yeah. But it gives you real reason to follow up, right? Hey, I sent you a Zoom cut. You can then send an email. Hey, I sent you a Zoom cover or whatever, and it might get you uh, some attention. Uh, I like those ideas. They're kind of last resort type things for me too. Um, sometimes I've been known to send – a large hard drive, right? Uh, something that would be very useful for someone. Uh, maybe I, now I would send a USB-C hard drive that works in now iPads and other things because they're going to want that. People that, you know, the new OS allows that. It's a reason for you to put some of your marketing stuff, a couple videos on that USB drive. They cost 50, 60 bucks. If you buy a really good big one, they're going to, they can delete your content and use it. It's something that they're going to, they have to touch and see and if it's a real gift like that the gatekeeper's not going to keep it she's going he or she's going to pass that thing along 
and I think it it does get people's attentions. What are your thoughts on on those? I call them gimmicks, but I think they're real techniques. Yeah, they are. I think what all a lot of these boil down to, especially in this category in in this episode, is real carving out real thoughtful time to do this. What I do um, oftentimes with the sales team is we'll block off half a day and we'll just focus on one prospect. And it just takes very meaningful time to sit down and focus on that one prospect and or two prospects and just you know like I'm not a very creative person when it comes to this stuff. Like I but. The good news is I work with a lot of really creative people and that have done really creative things and I just keep a list and um and, and replicate it. But the key is you you can't squeeze this in at a Tuesday from two to four. Nope. You gotta put it on your calendar, you gotta be diligent about it, and you need to have some sort of cadence to it. If this is a deal that you're trying to break, you know, a new customer you're trying to break into, existing customer that you're trying to go wider in, it's gotta be a very intentional monthly or quarterly practice that you go through to say, you know. I'm here to build pipe, and this is a half day to build pipe. We talk about this a lot too, but I mean, this can't be a desperation move, right? Which maybe yeah. some of these last resorts are. But as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, we've done a lot of teaching on this podcast, right? So I'm building a solid territory plan. I work for somebody like you, Brian, and I've got 20 accounts, maybe 50. But I've got a breadth of accounts, and I've tiered them out pretty good. You and I have talked about them. You're my manager. I've got some some companies we're doing business with. I've got a few that uh, at least have some interest. My pipeline's strong. But we, you and I, have both talked about these three accounts that are like, we know they're the most valuable opportunities to us. We're not getting the traction we want to get. I've tried, and you know I've tried, the right things like calling, using partners, and all that other stuff. And I'm standing in front of you at a QBR or someone like you at a quarterly briefing sharing my plan of attack. And I say, I need, I need thousand, I need $1,000 to put together this plan of attack for these three executives. And that, that money's going towards a driver, a drone, uh, a meeting request, a briefing request, something like that. What, what's the likelihood that if I've really been doing the right things, then I'm going to get that budget approved. Yeah, it's done. It's going to be, I'm, I'm not even going to want them to ask me permission anymore. If I can, if I trust the effort and investment, my only ask is going to be, let me know how it goes and where can I help? Yep. Yeah. I don't think, I think the, the, the educational part there is that most people don't have the right plan. That's they just want to spend more money. They just want to take more, take more people to wine tastings or whatever else. I think it's got to be a strategy. And that's if you have a strategy and you have tried the right things the right way first, I think these these budget dollars get approved real, real easily. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we talk about, we're both math guys, so we, we think about this a lot. The cost, the new customer acquisition costs are incredibly high. If we're talking about $1,000 for an account that could generate $10,000 in gross profit per month or per year even, you we're talking about a 10x return. So it's, it's a very simple math equation. And if you show that you have good control over your business and aren't going to, spend money with reckless abandon and you're measuring things the right way, that's a very easy approval. And the fact is if and when it works and you never know which one of these things are going to work, right? Like I've had slam dunk campaigns to where I thought uh, my, my biggest miss ever was a new barbecue spot opened up in downtown Dallas. It was like the talk of the town. And my brilliant idea was I'm going to cater in that barbecue to any company that will take advantage of it. Like you take a meeting with me over lunch 
and I'm going to cater in this barbecue for your spot. And you literally have to wait an hour in line to get a lunch. So I thought, man, this, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a scheduling problem. Like it's not, you know, not as, not only is it not going to work, I'm going to have, I've maybe overcommitted myself a little bit here and I didn't get a single request for it. Like not even one wow. said yes to it. But the point of it is, I guess, is that you don't know which one's going to work, but as long as you're diligent about measuring it and you invest the time and you block the time on your calendar to do it, it can turn out to be very positive. Yeah. And I would even say in some of those instances, I can see where you might find someone who doesn't eat pork or something like this is I'd love to participate, but I don't eat that. At least you're having a dialogue that at least the yes. prospecting work never seems to go totally wasted. Um, and, and I love those opportunities to, to just engage. The last thing for today, and really I guess for the series before we wrap it up, is, is tips for using your own executives. We've kind of touched on it. We've given you some examples of how to use them and, and what what ways would maybe work with end-use customers. Um, Brian, you you have a large leadership team that you normally work with here in the United States. What what do they want? What do you, what do your executives want to be engaged when it comes to being engaged with customers? Um, they want, I'd say a couple of big things. They want to, they want to have visibility on the big deals. Um, and so they're, they're looking for opportunities to get engaged with the top executives on deals that we're working. They want to, that way it's kind of like, uh, they can grease the skids kind of down the road in an engagement. So I'd say that's probably the top thing. The second thing I guess, is, there, I guess real quick, I'll interrupt you just, just kind of guide you a little bit. I guess, do executives want to help sales reps oh, yeah. get and grow business? Oh, certainly. Do you think if you could poll like the top 20 executives at, at Workday that they would all say they're underutilized when it comes to customer engagements? Yeah, I would say there's a there'd be a smattering of that for sure. Yeah. So I think executives want to be involved. I think they want to help. I don't think they're going to do the job of the sales rep for sure. I think you still have to do your job of selling. But I think they want to be involved and they want to help grow and close big deals with you and for you, for sure. Yeah, I would say it's probably worth, I can't remember if we've done a listener's choice on this before. Maybe we've just talked about it. But there is, you can get too close to the sun here. And and when you are engaging your own internal executives for the use of your external opportunities, you do need to be very thoughtful about that. And your follow-up needs to be crisp. Your preparation needs to be crisp. Um, and that, I, I think you tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but I think a lot of people will shy away from that because they are afraid to get a little close to the sun there. No doubt. I think they're afraid, they're timid. They don't want to expose their lack of salesmanship or professionalism. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do think, I think in some cases you tell me what you think. I think some people just think some customers are useless. Like they're not going to get the level of engagement no matter what they do and they kind of just put them on that back burner and we've talked about in the past where at the end of the day you say okay I want to give that account from you Johnny to Sally and they're like no 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 I want to keep that account well why do you want to keep it if you're never going to engage with it because it could pop they could buy something one day that's just not that's average at best we'll call it that but you know if I if I'm selling financials for workday I'm going to have my executive engage with that person Mm mm-hmm I guess the tip that I'm making here is really it's not just sales executive to executive. I think it's it's worker role executive to executive, right? If I'm really trying to get a meeting with a customer that just doesn't want to engage with us, I might offer up a conversation with my CIO to their CIO. If it's other things I'm selling, I would try to have those right people, peers at my account, talk to them. 
The other tip I would use is using, I'll call them my executives because I'm doing business with these other executives. Hey, I'm really struggling to get this person's attention. Do you mind sending them an email and asking if they would like to talk about what you're doing with IT? Obviously, they can't be competitors. they got to be in different business lines. Um, but I've had customers do that for me on my behalf to help me, to help, I guess, escalate me in those companies, make me more valuable just by the sheer recommendation of another IT executive at another company saying you should take time to talk to Bobby yeah, or Dell or whoever that might be. Yep. Way underutilized people. Use your own executives in your own company. Use your customers' executives to help you get those meetings. We'll wrap this series up. Again, engaging executives. We've talked about providing value, being frequent, be prepared. We've given you tons of tips on getting the meeting, keeping the meeting, getting customers to participate in your events. We've talked about briefings, field remote briefings with partners, without partners, giving you best practices to run those briefings. And finally today, we've given you a bunch of tips on calling, emailing, giving unique gifts, and using your own executives to get those meetings. Anything before we wrap, Brian? No, I would say um, if you got some unique ideas or things that have worked, please uh, please share that with us, and we'll share it with the with the group. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't be average, people. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week. Average is the enemy.